Before I start the homily in earnest, I just want to say a special word of greeting to all those who are praying with us at home on our live stream. And every weekend, there are dozens and dozens of uh, devices, I don't know how many people, but devices uh, that says that people are praying with us from home. And so if you're praying with us right now, I just want to say that we are always thinking of you. I'm always praying for you. I know that many of you are homebound and just can't get out of your house. I know some of you are uh, praying from other cities. You've somehow found St. Rose of Lima, and you're part of our community. And we just want, want to say that um, we know that we're together in this Eucharist today in prayer, and we're so glad to be able to pray with you wherever you are. Last year on our patronal feast day, I told the story of St. Rose of Lima. This year I don't intend to tell her whole story again. Instead, I want to focus on just one way that she loved Jesus Christ, the spouse of her heart. I want to zoom in on one particular gift that she received from God and what that meant for her and what that means for us. When I talk about a particular gift, you know, as humans, giving and receiving gifts is one way that we show love to others. It's one of the love languages, they say. And there's an art to giving and receiving gifts. If you're shopping for someone who's really special to you, you're going to spend time and energy to pick out something that will really make that person happy. And over time, you get better at that. You develop that art to giving a gift to someone else. There's also, a gift to, there's also an art to receiving a gift. There's a kind of way that we do that too. I remember one time years ago that my mom gave my sister Adriana a very slick and professional KitchenAid mixer, like super heavy duty. It was bright cherry red, and my sister accepted the gift. She unwrapped the gift. She said, thank you. It's all part of the art. And then she put the gift to use. She made food for herself. She made food for her friends. She used that gift to make food for other people. So it was a gift that actually was shared among many and not just her. And that's part of what we hope for in giving gifts as well, that it's going to be maybe, maybe even a bigger blessing than just to one person. So that, that mixture was a gift to my sister, but it kept on giving to others. Mom recalls that my sister made a lot of cheesecake with it and a lot of cookies that were mailed to other people, which is not a surprise because my sister, for the last 20 years, has been a professional pastry chef. I wish she was in Minnesota. Anyway. <laughs> so for St. Rosalima, God also picked out a very special gift to give her that he doesn't give to everyone. And St. Rose received that gift with gratitude, and she allowed it to bless other people, and not only herself. The gift in St. Rose's life that I want to look at today is the gift of consecrated celibacy. Consecrated celibacy. St. Rose, our patroness, was celibate, meaning she willingly chose to renounce marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. We know that St. Rose was an extraordinarily beautiful young woman. She was sought after by many men in Lima. But even though she could have chosen almost any man she wanted to marry, she instead remained a virgin. She chose to receive this gift that God was giving her. Now, I think for a lot of people, and maybe some people in this church, when talking about celibacy, the first thing you think of might not be gift. It might seem like more of a sacrifice. And indeed, there's a sacrifice to it for sure. 
But listen to how Jesus talks about this in the gospel. The disciples are talking about marriage and all these things about the the trials of marriage, and and the disciples say, if this is how it is between man and wife, it's better not to marry. And maybe they're saying it kind of sarcastically, but what does Jesus say next? He says, not all can accept this word, but only to those to whom it is given. Jesus clearly says, this is a gift. It's a gift not given to everyone, but it's given to some. And if someone gives you a gift, what should you do? If someone gives you a gift, what should you do? You should receive it. You should accept it. And if God gives someone a gift, what should she do? She ought to accept it. He ought to accept that gift. So Jesus says that, and then he talks about three kinds of people. He says, the first kind of person, he says, some were incapable of marriage because they were born so. I can think of several different people in my life who are amazing people and holy people, but because of some kind of challenge physically or or mentally, they're not able to carry out the responsibilities of marriage. So they're they're incapable of that, even though they're, they're called to the vocation of love like we all are. That's the first group. Then Jesus says, some are incapable of marriage because they've been made incapable by others. In the ancient world and still today, the violence of empires and wars and the evil in men's hearts can destroy a person's ability to be married and carry out the demands of that life. That's the second group of people. But then there's the third group of people, Jesus says, those who renounce marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. They aren't renouncing it because marriage is bad. On the contrary, marriage is incredibly good. But there's something even beyond that that God can call someone to. And it's not the same as just finding oneself single. Like sometimes people are just like, I just, you know, I've been single for a while now, like I'm unmarried. Like that's different than consecrated celibacy. This is a conscious decision to receive the gift given from God that orients a person's entire spirit, soul, and body towards the things of the Lord. It's a lifelong offering. The response of consecrated celibacy allows a total, virginal, single-hearted offering to God. We heard St. Paul refer to this kind of consecrated celibacy in his first letter to the Corinthians we heard from today. He says that while the married person is anxious about how to please one's spouse and about the things of the world, the unmarried person or the virgin is anxious only about the things of the Lord, only concerned about what matters to God. That sure, in this world, we have to contend with a lot of different things, and and if you're married, you have to contend with a lot of different things, from the checkbook to moving the kids around to your jobs, all these important things. But the person who's celibate is able to live a little bit differently with a more total focus on the kingdom, the world that's coming, the way the world's going to be forever after this world. And that's the key to seeing how why St. Paul writes this. He says, I'm writing this to you because there's a new world that's coming 
with the resurrection of Jesus, an entirely new kind of life has been ushered in. So St. Paul writes, for the world in its present form is passing away. The person who's a consecrated celibate is already living one foot in heaven while they have the other foot on earth. They're already living more and more like the kingdom and the resurrection where earthly marriages change, where people don't marry and are given in marriage. We're already living eternally. They're living in this new world where the love of God fills all things. Even beyond the greatest love you could experience on this earth, God's love in heaven is even greater. You can multiply it by a million. You aren't even close. So the celibate is living halfway in heaven as a sign for us on earth. And when men and women are called to celibacy and live the gift well, they're profound conduits of love. And I say live that gift well because we, we judge celibacy and those who live it well, right? You don't judge the institution of marriage by those who live it poorly, right? You think about those who live it well. We just buried John Porton this last week. John and Emily were married 69 years. They married at 18 and 17. And they lived an incredible covenant life of love. There's six kids, like a bajillion grandkids and great-grandkids, and they love each other so well. And in learning about their lives together, celebrating their funeral, I was like, how beautiful is marriage to see it in the life of John, who's gone to God. Like, that, that's how we look at marriage. And the same way with celibacy. We look, at, we look at celibacy in terms of those who live it well. Because I think if we remember and we encounter people who live it well, we see that there's this beautiful virginal devotion to God that points all of us towards loving God more. St. Rose, she skipped the earthly sign of marriage, and she was a witness to the coming world where God is all in all. And the cool thing about, the cool thing, the incredible thing about celibacy is that someone who forgoes having an earthly spouse for the sake of Christ actually discovers that they belong to all. The people of Lima, because St. Rose of Lima was dedicated to God, her life was entirely for God, everyone felt like they belonged to her. Our sister Rose, our mother Rose, she helped all people of all kinds. She didn't have any natural family obligations that, that would have to say, like, you know what, I, I can't help you. I've got my spouse and kids. I've got to do these things. Natural, natural obligations, good obligations, but Rose was available to all. And paradoxically, it opens up a person's heart in new ways when one lives the gift of celibacy well. There's a joy that comes from heaven that can fill the soul. It even brings new life. This is why in the Catholic tradition for centuries and centuries, it's no wonder that many consecrated celibates have been called mother or father, even though they have no biological children. Christ makes them fruitful. He gives them spiritual children, whether it be them serving in foreign missions overseas or a consecrated sister teaching a classroom of kids or whether it's a, a celibate who, is, who has become a father or mother to someone who's orphaned, someone who is missing a father or a mother or whether it's just a priest in the ordinary life of a parish, shepherding a parish. There's the spiritual fruitfulness I think if we can point to one person maybe that people have a 
common conception of, it's maybe Mother Teresa most of all, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, founded the missionaries of charity, serving the poorest of the poor. Like her life was totally given for Christ and given for others. And no one ever dared to ask Mother Teresa, who again traveled from country to country, poured herself out. I mean, she bathed the lepers, she picked dead people off the street in India and brought them back to take care of them, to give them a proper burial. No one said to Mother Teresa, you know, Mother Teresa, everything you're doing is great. It's like, it's really awesome stuff, but like, shouldn't you be looking for a husband? No one asked her that. No one was like, I I know this is really great, but shouldn't you also be thinking about this or, you know, having kids or, you know, know, don't don't you want that? That's not a question that makes sense because she knew she already belonged to her beloved. She belonged to Christ the one who through the prophet Isaiah said, I will allure her, I will speak to her heart, I will espouse you to me forever. She knew him. She wanted to live her entire life and burn brightly for him. She was already living in heaven, halfway in. And for those who are impacted by her life and her ministry and, and her mission, we can all say, like somehow that brought me closer to the infinite love of God. Through this woman's choice to forego the beauty of marriage for the sake of the marriage feast of the Lamb. So, brothers and sisters, with this gift of celibacy, not everyone is called to it, but some are, and we should support that. We should encourage our young people to consider, is God calling you to make this special kind of response to the gift? Some of our young people here in our school, in our faith formation, might be called to live that consecrated life to open that gift? Can we support them in that? Can we love them in that? Can we say, okay, I realize this this isn't a gift given to everyone, but like if God's giving it to you, let's explore that. Let's pray about that. That's a real possibility. Because there's lots of questions about what that gift means. You know, when my mom gave my sister the KitchenAid mixer, like everyone's like, it's a mixer. You, You make stuff with it. Okay, obviously. But if someone begins to hear that stirring of the heart, like, I think I'm supposed to live life a little differently. Where a young person, young person begins to feel that call to like, I want my life to be totally spent in God's service. Like, how do I do that? There's these stirrings of the heart that happen in one who's called to this gift. And there's a lot of questions like, what does that gift mean? And why is God giving me this gift? And how do I use this gift? And, and what does it mean for the rest of my life? Like, all good questions. But most of all, remember, it's a gift. And when someone gives us a gift, we ought to receive it. Because we know that gift will not just bless us, it will bless so many other people. Those like St. Rose of Lima who lived celibacy well, not only discover an incredible joy in the soul, but they also are able to bless the entire church like St. Rose and Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and who knows how many people here at St. Rose of Lima in Roseville. So, brothers and sisters, not all can accept this word, but only to those to whom it is given, the gift of celibacy for the kingdom. If God gives us a gift, we should receive it. If God gives you a gift, you should receive it. Because because God only gives the best gifts.